Disappointing outcome, uh, but it's nothing mystical about it. You know, like I just told the team, man, we we need more detail in our play. Um, we got to put them in better position to make plays, and then they got to make more plays. And so, you know, we're all collectively in our circumstance together. Uh, we got to continually get better. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody. We open the locker room as my man Max makes his timely, timely appearance here. Oh, I got to do the mute thing. Dadgummit. Well, here's the thing, Wolf. There we go. Hello, Max. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you as well. And, you know, I was on the headsets. Were you? Radio at 652, but nobody could hear me. Nobody could hear you. Well, that's probably because I didn't have the right mute whatever and this and that yeah so. yeah so uh, i was on and then i didn't click the zoom until the last second so <laughs> we're still working on, you phone. have to understand i know nothing about technology okay that yeah. is like that's <laughs> like verboten for me i don't understand the complexities of this dadgum thing they call a computer uh you know so when we do things like zooming and stuff like that um i'm pretty much uh you know if it wasn't for jacob we'd have major issues here so the ninjas keep us together and by the way you are in the locker room with wolf starks and the aforementioned ninjas right here on espn pittsburgh and the steelers nation radio max um one of the things that that comes to mind when you have a situation like this is you are really running through some fire i mean this is this is you know, everybody needs an asbestos suit right now because you are going through the fires of what it is in the NFL when you don't pay attention to detail, you don't perform with detail, and those details finally can uh, upset the apple cart, and you are on the downside of the wind column, shall we say. Yeah, that, that's putting it mildly. That's putting. It, in fact, we're inverse of everybody else in the AFC North. Right. Uh, when it comes to the wins and losses, um, you know, this is this is new territory for a Mike Tomlin led team, right? This is this is not normal for them. Uh, heck, this isn't normal for Ben either. Right. Uh, so, so when you look at this, I mean, it just. 
you think that some of the veterans on the team should be able to talk you into how this can go if you make a decision here, right? You know, kind of making the decision not to be who everybody thinks you are. How to be the professional that everybody knows you can be and to step into the light of responsibility and accountability and do the extra work to get it done, to right the ship. You know, it's not like you need this intrinsic, you know, kind of kind of motivation. It should be that I don't want to lose as an individual. <laughs> I don't want to lose. I don't want to be considered a loser, you know, for more than a week stretch at a time, maybe two weeks maximum. I don't want to be considered that for an elongated amount of time. And I don't know how, you know, I mean, how, how it can be that the accountability in a locker room, which is huge in oh, your yeah. day, huge in my day, we, we policed each other. We also reprimanded each other because we held each other to the standard. I know that the Steelers still have that, and they still have the guys in there that do that. But I just question, who are the bona fide leaders outside of just position or elevation of time? Like, who are your other leaders in each room? They're what's, gonna that, have to, what, what's that council look like? It's gonna. It's got to be a situation where guys start to step up and they hold each other to accountability. But it's also, here's the thing about it. When I talk about running through the fires, right now you kind of find out who does have the asbestos suit and who is flammable. You know, because the flammable ones start to fray. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to have you got to have some resiliency about you. Look, you've gone 14 seasons, have you not, as a Mike Tomlin-led Pittsburgh Steeler? Okay, you've gone 14 seasons without experiencing a losing season. Suddenly, now you're starting to kind of get a uh, look at what it's like to be on a lot of other NFL teams for over the years, and you come to your professional mortality, shall we say, saying, okay, just because you're a Steeler, just because you line up in black and gold, doesn't mean that you're going to automatically be rewarded with a winning season. So now how do these guys respond? And here's the thing about it. There's nowhere to go as far as if you're looking for somebody to come riding in from uh, outside the locker room. Again, all those answers are in there. You go down and break down that film, and I got to tell you, I watched a lot of a lot of film yesterday. I mean, I'm I'm blinded by watching film at this point in time. I need so much visine. I got to, you know, I don't think that there's enough visine in all of Pittsburgh to help me out right now. But the fact is, you look at the at the at what it transpires on film, and I got to tell you something. There's some people that aren't performing is at top notch. I got that, but there's also some people that are starting to rise. So as we go along today, one of the things I want to do is talk about the fact that there are some good things coming, but let me tell you something. If you start getting some fractured locker room stuff with finger pointing and this and that, let me tell you something, this ship could sink right out. I mean, right out of the harbor here, but boom, right? Uh-uh, you got to be lock solid in step with each other and hold each other to accountability and hold each other up. Well, and that's when you see tightness. You see the bond create in moments of adversity like this, right? Circle the wagons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that like that's when you get to the safest, tightest position that you can get in so that you can defend. Can I tell you something? Th 
That was yeah. one of Coach Knoll's favorite statements. Circle the wagons, but he also had this too. Make sure the bad guys are on the outside. <laughs> okay? And that, that's exactly what Coach Knoll used to uh, say. Make sure the guys that, you know, the bad dudes are on the outside, okay? Don't be circling wagons with them. You know, yeah, so. exactly. But that's the key. No, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that's, and, and you can't listen to guys like us <laughs> if you're in the locker room. Yeah. In the locker room, do not listen to in the locker room. Right. right? You know, trust each other and continue to work on your relationship with the guy next to you. You know, it's one of those things where if you've got to get in each other's heads to understand how they think, to understand how to make this game better and even more nuanced for you. And if you're a young guy that doesn't have his way, find a vet and follow him around. Can I tell you right? this? There's like some dudes Dutton. there's some dudes that I played with. I don't know I don't want to know what goes on in their heads. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be mean, there. I mean, yeah, yeah, but you don't you want to know what's going uh, on. We got to have a little humor in the locker room, play, my friend. In a play. In a play. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah, trust you got me, some dudes, no, you're I, just like going, they're out there, man. I don't, I don't want to go there, but yes, exactly. I get what you're saying. Look, because again, here's the thing about it. There are people that you know that are going to rise to the challenge. Cam Hayward's going to rise to the challenge. I got no doubts about it. Right. Ben Roethlisberger will rise to the challenge. I don't have any doubts about it, but there's some other guys surrounding that, you know, this is kind of like, well, let's take a look now. Let's see what they got. You know, there, we can go down the whole list and you can start talking about, all right, what's some of the issues that you think you can handle? Like, for instance, the the running game. Hey, the running game showed some sparkage there. We got something yes. going with it. All right, no, it's not a it's not a Mozart. It's not a Mona Lisa, whatever you want to call it and whatever metaphor you want to use for it. But we have some sparkage going with that running game. It's unfortunate they got behind, and what happens when you get behind? Then you got to start throwing the ball, and the running game goes on the shelf. Right, exactly. But we had some things moving in the running game. No, we, we, we did. We had a lot of things that were good, and especially early. Especially that you know the first right. two drives, some really good runs that really kept momentum and kept pace, and I felt like we just got a little cute in the middle of the game, and you didn't get the yardage you wanted. We missed some throws, then then now we're playing we're playing the chasing game. Exactly, no and question. That, and that and that's what got us behind was in the second quarter, um, you know and and. I gotta ask this question. I know we're not. We're, I know we're not gonna get to a full disclosed answer, but did you see the field goal? I've not seen the the down the line view. I just I have not seen it. But everything I've heard, Joe Hayden says, no way, no way. We were on sides. What do you say? What did you see? Oh, he was on side. It was a perfect jump. That's what I. Th well, the only was, view I got is from jump. behind. They synonymously okay. they move simultaneously with the ball, all those helmets, all those heads, they move simultaneously off that edge. I don't see it. But, again, I didn't have a down-the-line shot from the game, which I can't – I cannot believe that you don't have one. With all the TV all angles – cameras in there. Are you yeah. kidding me? Max, <laughs> yeah, are you kidding one? me? 
they hey yeah, they all this they, technology. They, if if you jumped off sides, you can guaranteed be sure that there'd be a picture of you jumping off sides or me jumping off sides. Somehow it works out that way. But on one of the biggest plays, what may have been the biggest play of the game, what could have actually jump started the Steelers and another what Buffalo like game, you've got yeah. no camera angle to tell. And the officials throw it because, as Gene Steratore uh, said, um, it you know when you have guys time it simultaneously, it looks like you're going to depend on it looks like. I don't know. That just drove me absolutely bananas. And he threw it late. Yes. I was standing behind the side judge. They you had to think it. about it. Yeah, he was like, hmm, 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 throw. What? Are you kidding me? No, no. In that situation, you do not hesitate and throw. This isn't a false start. This isn't a lined up in the neutral zone situation. This is not a personal foul where it's roughing the passer where you're thinking, okay, did, how many steps after he released it did he do? Right? This is not a, a health and safety issue. This is a heck of a football play that's a top 10 play that you literally took off the highlight reel. Absolutely. It's another magic make a moment. You know, I mean, yeah, one of those things ridiculous. that, yeah, he's become he's become known for those big plays and turn things around. Look, there's an NFL statistic that if you have a pick six or uh, a fumble, you know, a block kick turn return for a touchdown, that your uh, the percentage of winning based on a play like that would go up to like 70, 80 percent just from that alone. You remember with Buffalo what it did with the with the block kick in Buffalo and I you look at this and you go this was huge in a game where if you set a decibel record with Brett Favre showing up at halftime smiling on the jumbotron and the whole stadium rocking you want to talk about turning around a momentum changer that's exactly it because that play was the equal of Favre up there on the jumbotron if you ask me in momentum well and think about how much different your game plan is when you're playing from ahead Yes. Because they, they would have taken the lead at that point if they blocked that kick. So imagine you're up 17-10 at that moment, I believe, is what it was. No question that, about it. That, 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 that's, a, that's a heck of a momentum shift. And, yes, I know one play does not define a game, but one play can change the trajectory of a game. Exactly. Because the chain of events that – occur out of a singular play and we're going to go into this in in the next segment here but the missed opportunities i'm going to give you four examples of, of missed opportunities in the first half alone what that did and we can go from there uh but at the same time you don't realize in the play calling when you have the opportunity to go ahead and you let you you turn the, the hounds of the baskervilles loose on uh, aaron Rodgers, and they can pass rush with the way they're capable of pass rushing when they've got a, a lead, get yeah, Zooks, man. It, it, there's all the difference in the world if you can play from ahead versus playing from behind. Well, yeah, you're not pressing, right? Everybody's still doing their job. Right. Is When you're behind and you're behind by double digits, people start trying to do a little bit more, a little yep. bit outside of their scope, trying to anticipate something else, trying to get a little bit more open, trying to create – a lane and a, and, a, and a mismatch and instead of just doing my job and just going by it one by one by one one eleventh of the job on the field at hand right I need to do my 11th if I do my 11th we'll be all right it's when guys think I need to do a 10th 
Well, that's my problem because I got it. When I go into fractions, I'm lost. Absolutely lost. You know how bad in math yeah. I so am. So the lower the bottom <laughs> number, the bigger the bigger the percentage. That, that's okay. Well, 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 don't worry. I'll get an abacus out for you during the break. We'll be okay. <laughs> All right. That's Max Starks. I'm Craig Wolfley. We got the ninjas. We're in the locker room. ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. We just need to continue to get better. We need more detail in our play, more understanding, and that'll produce the splash that'll get us out of stadiums. It's not enough splash. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Have them. All right. We got a little miscue because uh, I'm kind of goofed up from the central time to eastern time. And what we got to do is we need to get Bob Labriola on. And I forgot and got my times mixed up again because I was in transit yesterday. I am, you know, this whole thing of traveling not with the team but commercially has got me all buggered up. I got, I yeah. got to tell you, Max, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, uh, di- you know, di- discombobulated over the whole thing. Well, and, and and you have every right to be because you had a system and a ritual in place. It was right? just so easy. It, it, it was just, hey, going to town day before, boom, on the plane right after the game's over. All right, guys, see see you on Monday in the studio. And now it's like, no, I got I got to check in, pre-check ahead of time. I got to get my ticket on my phone. And you got to get up at, at God knows how early in the morning you guys got up to leave and fly out and you know i am flying across three time zones so yeah it, it is um it's one of those things it, it's very easy to i do. can only so plead mercy credence that's yeah. all i can say all right no excuse because i'm still young <laughs> and i'm old i, and I I'm know not. no different i know no different <laughs> all right let's bring on the great steelers historian steelers.com steelers digest editor all those things because he's a good friend of the show and he's an excellent human being and we're just playing to his niceties <laughs> right now because we got to butter him up because i blew it again labs dead gummit uh, you, you little, uh, you, you little jet lag. A little. All those time zones. <laughs> I, I'm all messed up, man. We left the hotel at like 4:30 in the morning to go to Appleton. First of all, our van driver was driving us to the Green Bay Airport, and it was only because Dan Quinlan said, "Hey, dude, you know we're going to Appleton, don't you?" That we didn't end up in Green Bay. I'd still be sitting at the airport in Green Bay were it not for Quinlan being on the ball. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, that's 
that's frightening there, depending <laughs> on Quinlan to get you home. Well, even worse would be if we didn't have Quinlan, then it would be me, and then I'd still be in Green Bay. <laughs> you just got on the plane with Max and gone to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We could have done so. The show live, Wolf. We could have done the show live together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great. So, Labs. Now, now that we're we're in the right time zone, we got everything back in order. The fallout of of a game going down in in uh, historic Lambeau Field because that game to me was a game that the, the Steelers again they had the opportunity to take that game. And part of it was, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not one to blame refs, but that call ripping the, the, the heart out of the team, when you have an opportunity to scoop and score like Minka did, oh, my gosh, that is like an unbelievable get back that you can't recover from. Yeah, that's, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here because I have no compunction against ripping the referee. Especially. <laughs> um, but let me, let, me, let me just say this, and, and I, I do want to um, you know, give credit where it is due. Uh, Gene Steratore, uh, who uh, was the, um, whatever they call it, the uh, officiating uh, expert who oh, yeah. consulted Rules on the analyst, broadcast. Yeah. Okay rules analyst and then also he did uh in a in an appearance today his regular tuesday appearance on the dvu morning show and i i gotta give him credit i mean he said on the broadcast that um you know when when the when the guys get off as soon as the, the long snapper picks up the ball or moves the ball they're allowed to go so sometimes it can look like uh off sides but you have to be you know, in other words, paying attention uh, if you're wearing a striped shirt to, you know, what's all going on. You can't just allow your eye to deceive you. You know, when two guys are moving and nobody else is, um, you can't automatically assume that that's offside because you have to be watching when the long snapper moved the ball. Right. It was clear when they showed the, the replay that they want, they had that I forget the, the long snapper's name. Hold on. I got it right here. Um, his name is Hunter Bradley. He kind of he, he picked up the ball a little bit before shooting it between his legs. Mm-hmm. But when he picked it up, there were a lot of ghosts. So even if it looked like they were crossing into the neutral zone, the fact that he had lifted the ball allows the defense to, st- to begin to move. Okay, and then on the DV morning show today, um, Gene Steratore said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, you know, um, and you know, you shouldn't need replay for that. You know, you're playing. There's players in the NFL level. There's coaches at the NFL level and officials at the NFL level. And if you're at the NFL level, you should be able to do that, you know, execute basic things. Like in your guys' business, know the snap count. Um, in the referee business, officiating business, you have to understand that they're allowed to move when the ball is – the long snapper moves the ball. And so you have to be watching that – uh, as opposed to just, you know, seeing which way the colors bleed, meaning the colors of the jerseys. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and he said, and it should be able to be accomplished without replay. And because I always remember, I'll give you, well, you'll remember this. I think it was 85, 86, when replay was first put in. We were at training camp. And um, someone 
uh, you know, there was a little gathering around Chuck after the afternoon practice, and the topic of replay came up, and Chuck Knoll was notoriously opposed to replay. Right. And someone said to him, well, don't you think, you know, it's val- it's a valuable tool to get the calls correct? And Chuck looked at him and said, but what if it doesn't? Where do you go from there? Yep. Right. There you have- So you let the genie out of the bottle. Uh, it's now technology-driven. I believe officials are tentative in a lot of instances because they have replay to fall back on. And a lot of times I think they allow things to happen. You know, for example, you know, was it a fumble or an uh, incomplete pass coming out of the quarterback's hand? Well, they'll let the guy recover it and run it all the way back into the end zone, and now it's a scoring play. So it's automatically reviewed. So they don't have to make the call. It's reviewed. Um, now, if you're some poor sap who ends up getting his knee blown out, um, chasing him or somebody blocks you or clips you or, you know, whatever might happen uh, on a play that should have been blown dead, well, you know, that, you know, collateral damage, I guess, in mm. the NFL's mind. I don't know. So, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I do not believe that that was offside. Uh, I credit Gene Steratore for what he said and how he explained it. Uh, I agree with him in his analysis of what replay has done uh, to the game to some degree and the fact that officials at the NFL level should not need replay to call something as basic as that. Uh, The only thing I will say is I don't know that that was the um, difference in the game. I mean, I certainly think that that really – hurt the Steelers um, psychologically as well as mathematically. Uh, but, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers was playing pretty good. Uh, and the Steelers' offense was not. So, uh, you know, a 17-10 Pittsburgh lead at halftime. Could Rodgers have put up, I don't know, three more touchdowns? I think he might have been able to. Possibly, yeah. No doubt yeah, about it. Possibly. But, I mean, but wouldn't you agree that just changes your entire mindset as far as how you play and how your play oh, calling changes? Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, I, I know not one play can, can change a game, but it changes that trajectory. I think that's kind of what I said. But, you know, looking at it, just some of the other opportunities that were missed um, uh, with the team and some of the play calls, I mean – where are we at the, the fourth down behind the line of scrimmage swing passes labs? I mean, ouch. I, I know yeah, that I, I know that's a, that, that's a frustrating point for everybody that has watched the Steelers game. Um, I mean, wh- wh- where, where are we at with this? I mean, is it nobody else is open? I mean, what is, what's the mindset? I mean, cause I think everybody ran hooks on that one, like ran to the sticks and kind of came back to the ball to get the first down there was no deep patterns that were called on that first fourth down um just you know, what is this matt canada offense i mean what what are you seeing what is the trend what what is what is the ethos of this because that's where I, that's where I'm oh now he's going for the big words run. look out labs he's on a roll no, no, I did. seriously I did. these are all these are all excellent questions um and you know as i've uh written and asked an answer when people ask me i, I wish i had an answer uh, but what i wish more yeah. is i wish i had the authority to stop that kind of stuff 
because there would be no more of that if I had any authority. Um, you know, there's no more backwards passing on fourth down. Um, yeah. You know, I don't care. You know, because to me, that take a knee. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And, you know, and, uh, another thing that Steratore said uh, on another subject, he said, you know, it, he said he went back and looked at a lot of uh, Steelers video and saw that even on uh, pass plays where uh, Ben is getting rid of the ball under two seconds, he said he's getting hit. So if yeah. you're throwing, you know, a quick 1.8 second quick release and your quarterback is still getting hit, I mean, there are issues um, more basic than just about anything to me that have to be dealt with because. I, I, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I, I would never question his courage. I've seen him, you know, do too many things. Max, you played with him. You know uh, what a tough guy he is, all that kind of stuff. But I cannot believe that a human being can take that kind of punishment regularly and not start to at least, you know, I always use the analogy of a shelter dog. You know, they flinch a little bit. Um, they may not cower in the corner, but you know, you, you just do. It's, it's, as Chuck always called it, normal human behavior. It's reflexive, and so, yeah. Right, it's just reflexive. Uh, and so um, I don't know how you, to me, what, the, the first thing I would do if I had any authority is that would be job one of every play we called. I don't care how many guys you have to keep in there to protect the quarterback keep them in there to protect the quarterback. You've got to put Derek Watt in. You've got to keep two tight ends in and only send, you know, one or two receivers out. Fine. Let's try that for a little bit, a couple of times. Uh, that's fine. Maybe some guys can get open quickly uh, because the, the, the concept or the idea that you have to flood um, the defensive side of the ball with eligible receivers uh, it, it, you, you're, you know, that's a BA thing. You're getting your quarterback killed. Cannot continue to happen. It's it's an um, unsustainable model. And the guy's 39 years old. So, uh, to me, that would be the first thing. Uh, let's Whatever max protect is, you know, I, you guys are much more familiar with that kind of terminology than me. I don't know if max protect refers to a, a specific number of guys kept in or – you know, it's some ratio based on how many defenders are in the box or at the line of scrimmage, whatever. But that, that to me, has to happen first. Uh, you've got to get him not to be picking himself off the ground uh, on a two-yard out pattern um, every time. And then let, now let's see where we are after that. I got to ask you, Labs, what do you think historically? I'm turning towards your historian side here, my friend. But you and I were there in 89 when things got rough at the start. You know, we, we, we've been over that a number of times. We came out of the box 0-2, and then, you know, and by the way, we're a big 0-2 because we got, what, 51 nothing and 45-10 or whatever it was, to the first two teams. But then we beat, uh, the you know, the Vikings coming in. But historically, in, in the Mike Tomlin era, how how deep have they gone below the the Mendoza line, so to speak, uh, before rebound? Because we know that Mike has not had any losing seasons. And I'm trying to remember in my my gourd here, but you do a much better job of how far they've been below the the the, the you know wins and losses um, and been able to rebound. 
Well, I, um, yeah, 2013, and I remember that because that was the London year. Mm. Um, 0-4. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wow, I forgot about that. So, um, you know, that's... That's I, a I reference point. No, that's important. Yeah. Let me tell you something, because one thing you hang on to as a player, when you know and you've been there and done that and seen that sort of day, uh, that sort of moment, 0-4, like you said, that gives you an, something that you, you hang your hat on. You go, okay, I know what that felt like. I remember what that felt like. Now we got to climb out of it, and we can do this. And you got to be one of those positive forces in the locker room and on the practice field, carrying that message to a lot of younger guys who weren't part of that 0-13 team, you know, that didn't experience that 0-4 dip. But you got to be able to lead the way and show them this is what it looks like to get it done and do so in a positive manner and do so knowing that uh, you're facing a lot of negativity outside the locker room. So you got to keep it within the locker room and, and make sure, as, as we were talking about earlier, as Chuck Noll used to say, you know, you got to circle the wagons. And when you circle the wagons, make sure that none of the bad guys are on the inside. You know, and just looking at the scores from 2013, I mean, I, and I don't remember this specifically you know, without really doing a little deeper dive into some of the details of some of those games. But the first four games that Steelers, the Steelers lost in 2013, uh, they gave up 16, 20, 40, and 34 points. Okay? Then wow. the next three games, they gave up 6, 16, and 21. Okay? Then after, you know, New England, uh, which was 55-31, a, a shootout, but then you go right back down to, to – you know, giving up 10 points, um, then 27, then 11, then 22. So it seems to me that something significant happened uh, defensively over the bye week because of those first four losses, then the bye week, and then the rest of the season, the Steelers ended 2013, winning six of their last eight. Um, you know, so it seems to me that there, there, there either was, I don't know, I don't want to say a change of philosophy as much as, maybe focus or direction because it seemed that the uh, attitude or the the willingness to play a little more freewheeling at the beginning of the season, and I'm saying that based on the scores, uh, would change. And this is what I think um, I would maybe like to see tried, tried in now. Uh, and by that I mean um, instead of trying to be – you know, have so many eligibles on pass patterns, and uh, I won't call it necessarily freewheeling because it's all short passes. But as I said, you know, tighten everything up, protect the quarterback, and you know, you got a good defense, I think. Um, and you know, maybe play a little. I don't know. I hate baseball analogies. Small ball. <laughs> um, or, <laughs> You know, or, you know, have Ben maybe not throw as often, but go down the field more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't know. All I know is this. This is the only thing I can say to you guys in this segment that I am totally uh, comfortable saying and confident in uh, being accurate. It's not working now. Right. Whatever it is now is not working. And so I, I don't know that you can continue. Wolf, well, I think if. Uh, you know, if your grandfather was still around, he'd say, boy, put that hammer down and try and break that rock some other way. Yeah. Because it ain't working. It ain't working like this. 
Um, I wish you would have said it after 20 minutes instead of making me wait for an hour and a half while I was pounding the stupid rock. I'll explain but, to Max yeah. later. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, work work smarter, maybe not harder, you know? Uh, again, I, I and I'm I'm throwing all this out there because you guys ask. Uh, right. And I do that. I do this with um, the caveat that you know I'm 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 reaching. I, I don't I don't know anything. I don't study um, video like you guys do, and I don't understand even if I did study video what necessarily I would be watching or you know seeing. So. Uh, but like I said, I know this. This is not working. This, this is. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to hang any analogies on anybody. But the only thing I can remember, like this, feeling like this, was the Joe Walt there. Oh yeah. You're just watching that offense, and I, you know, I don't know. It wasn't working. That's all I could tell you. Well, Blabs, I want to thank you so much for hanging in there with me as I got recombobulated after being discombobulated. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for joining us in the Thanks, locker room. Bob. Okay, fellas. Take care. Appreciate you. And that's, of course, Bob Labriola, who was so kind enough uh, to join us, even though I missed the, my cue and getting him on earlier. Okay, it's for Wolf. It's for Max, for the Ninjas. We're back in the locker room in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. they did have a quote-unquote successful run day, I don't think that that was the difference in the game. And so when you're playing somebody that has that type of talent in the backfield, at quarterback on the perimeter, you got to make some choices, and, and we understand that. Um, we knew they would be capable of running the ball some based on our plan, uh, but I didn't think it would determine the outcome, and I still don't. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. One of the big disturbances, yeah, was the fact that Green Bay did rush for what is a buck thirty-one, you know, on the Steelers combined with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. But you know, the whole thing about it, in in my mind, in a battle, when you you got two future Hall of Famers out on the field there, and what a great historic opportunity to witness a game, you know, with a couple guys that 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, think about it. You got uh, how many Super Bowls and records and everything in between. And these two guys, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, going back and forth. And one thing you know for sure, when you got Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers on the field, you have to capitalize on any mistakes or opportunities that they present to you. Because I'll tell you this, Max, and I believe this sincerely. If one Hall of Famer doesn't capitalize on an opportunity, the other one will. So you want to make sure it's your guy capitalizing on those opportunities. And I'll give you the first one that, to me, in my mind was uh, – well, I shouldn't say the first one. I'll, I'm going to pick four opportunities where I think the Steelers had an opportunity to make a difference. And I'll go in the first quarter, the first and ten pass over the middle. You know, Randall Cobb was a kid that – you know, this guy comes back and it's like – Nobody was talking about him pregame. You know, Devontae Adams is the one everyone was thinking about. But Randall Cobb was tough on third downs. And on that one third down, he went over the middle. And Minka almost intercepted that Rodgers pass. But nine plays later, uh, Rodgers scores to go up, you know, to tie the score at 7-7. But that's a missed opportunity, one Minka don't miss usually. No, it was one. And you think and – and here's where it's tough, right? Because you know the cascading effect mm-hmm. that one of these plays has. Imagine you're trying to go answer the score of, of your opponent, and then you throw a pick. Now, if you don't hit Randall Cobb on that one, and it is picked, think about how ineffective the option would have been to throw to Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm. And how you probably would have forced more to Devontae at that point. Right. You start turning you your attention. You don't want to throw it across the middle. But because you did have that success, now you can go to Randall three more times in the game across the middle. And he pick up those first downs in third down situations. And it's just that that's just one instance where it's like it could have changed the entire mindset on how you view the trajectory of the game right because now you don't throw it and now you're like okay well i I gotta keep it outside i gotta keep it outside the hashes i gotta keep it outside the numbers and Devontae, i mean it was it was a good job for the most part of like trying to keep him bottled up in some of those tight window throws but maybe maybe aaron makes another mistake exactly so and, and i think that's where like you said when you have two future hall of famers and here's the other sad part right here, Wolf. I don't think we'll ever get this game again. Mm-hmm. Roger versus right. Ben. Because it took so long to get it <laughs> after yeah. the Super Bowl, right? Right. It's been 11 I years mean, or something since those two have you know, been, yeah, all, you know, competed uh, against each other. Exactly. So it's like, man, just think about the missed opportunity for this type of history, right? Because – Hall of Famers playing at quarterback against each other doesn't happen often, right? Right. Like, like Brady and Manning happened because they're both in the AFC. And they would both win their division every year, so they always got it even when they weren't in the rotation. Right. That was that was the person you drew out of division still in the conference. You get two of those games, right, from the other two divisions. Where you finish is who you play the next year. This is AFC, NFC. It only happens every four years, but injuries happen. You know, that's what happened. Not being able to play. Yeah, the last two times, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're Mm -hmm. exactly right, Max. Let me give you another one. 
All right, in the second quarter on a first and 14, Chris Wormley, all right, he whiffed on a sack. Two plays later, Rodgers to Cobb, uh, TD pass, they go up 14-7. You know, and again, I, it's not like you, I'm not laying blame on Wormley for crying out loud, you know. I've never sacked anyone. Well, maybe my own quarterback if I got driven into the guy. But anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want really to go there. I digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't remember that. <laughs> um, but the fact is, you know, um, it's not landing on one guy, but it's, again, that missed opportunity. You had an opportunity right there to sack Aaron Rodgers, and you, you, you ran by him, which, you know, I mean, you get bump, bang, what have you, and you miss. Okay. But that's an opportunity to bring him down and, and maybe alter what, what – would occur a couple plays later. You know, again, we don't know. It's the back to the future thing. You you wonder if you had made that play at that time, what that would have done just two plays later. Yeah, yeah. You change the timeline. You change. You change the, the chronology of events. Um, McFly. Then, Hello, I, McFly. I, I, <laughs> Hello, McFly. Is this thing on? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean that—that's that, what you create. You create that paradox of possibilities, and we just said it. How about that? The first play, we talked about it. If if Minka intercepts it, you don't throw to Randall Cobb, right? Maybe he doesn't get that touchdown on the second play, right? I mean, exactly. all of it kind of just. But yeah, but it's it's also in the shoulda, coulda, woulda category, right? But it's always uh, fascinating. But it is funny how when you look back on it, you see there's different opportunities to make that play, to be an all-star, to be remembered for for, for those moments of glory. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go to break. That's the first hour in the books. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.